Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 3, Episode 326 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us as we continue with our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials in Doctrine and Covenants section 133 to 134 um, in the week of November the 15th to November the 21st. And today we're going to begin looking at section 134. And yes, uh, you were... You, you, uh, will have noticed that there was no episode yesterday. I think for the first time in however many episodes over, in the over 800 episodes that we've actually had of this uh, podcast, um, I've actually missed a day yesterday of the daily uh, daily dose of this uh, study session. Um, really, uh, just life is very busy right now uh, with work and with uh, church responsibilities and with my son being in hospital over the last week or so. Um, he's fine, absolutely fine, and he's back out now, which is fantastic. Um, but it's just been a very uh, intense uh, week or so. Um, and so, yeah, uh, that's the reason why. Might try and catch up an episode uh, along the way, but actually I may just leave it. Uh, because, uh, to be fair, I'd really gotten to the end of what we were discussing in section 133. So if there was any week to kind of miss a day um, just because of circumstances, it was probably this one. Um because I think that two days for section 134 is is just right. So let's have a look then at this section. Now, those amongst you, again, uh, will recognise that this section, again, is given out of order. Um, section 133 and 134 are kind of where we begin to see um, articles or um, revelations or inspiration added on after um, the the revelations of the Joseph Smith being put together. Uh, so in the revelations in context in the chapter of governments and laws, it outlines what the purpose of this was uh, and gives more detail about who gave this um, this section uh, and what its purpose was. So in the beginning of the chapter, it talks about Lyman White's love of the, the US um, nation, the country of the United States, but however, that this uh, love of this country uh, was tested uh, during particularly the Missouri period of the church. Um, obviously, the saints were trying to get support and help from the state uh, to be able to uh, be protected by mob violence, uh, many things like that, but they weren't receiving it. Uh, and it was very disappointing uh, for the church. And ultimately, why Joseph Smith, toward the end of his life, uh, made a campaign to become the president of the United States because he did not want uh, other groups of individuals to go through the same challenges and problems and prejudice that the saints had. And in fact, that reminds me of a very well-used quote, and I'm not going to paraphrase it, but it's the quote where he talks about um, how he would give everything for the religious freedom of a Methodist or a Presbyterian or other uh, any other religion um, not just, you know, the Mormons. Um, and I think that that is just what the, encapsulates this section. Uh, in the Revelations in Context, it says, quote, On August 17, 1835, in the midst of the saints' attempts to petition the government for help, Oliver Cowdery and Sidney Rigdon presented a document titled Declaration of Government and Law to Church Members in Kirtland, Ohio, the section, now Doctrine and Covenants 134, sought to address all of the saints' concerns 
by stating that governments were instituted of God for the benefit of man and that God would hold individuals accountable for their acts as government officials, the Declaration describes civil governments as secular institutions whose actions <coughs> had spiritual consequences. Close quote. I'm not going to read the rest of that section in that in that um, chapter of the book because it kind of goes through what we'll talk about when we talk about the section itself. Um, but... Um, to kind of look at the impact of this declaration and where it came from. It says, quote, Church members accepted the declaration and included it in the first edition of the Doctrine and Covenants. Unlike other sections of that book in which God revealed his will to the saints, this section consisted of the saints explaining their perspective and beliefs to the general public. It was most likely authored by Oliver Cowdery, as he had written on many topics that addressed it many of the topics that are addressed in recent newspaper editorials. Although Joseph Smith was way in Michigan territory when the declaration was presented to the church, he accepted it and referenced it later in, speak, in his speaking and writing. Close quote. So this is particularly interesting. So this section, 134, first of all, is not a direct revelation from the Lord himself. Uh, in fact, it's not necessarily seen as um, spoken from his word. Um, but rather it was authored um, by members of the church. We're not actually 100% sure who, probably Oliver Cowdery, uh, but Oliver Cowdery and, and uh, Sidney Rigdon presented it to the church. Uh, and this um, entry into the Doctrine and Covenants, I think, unless I'm remembering wrong, is the first entry or section that we have which wasn't authored by or spoken by or um, revealed through or... Um, basically came from the prophet Joseph Smith. Obviously, he uh, approved it and verified it was right, and he used it often in his writing and speaking later, um, but it wasn't directly from him, which I think is interesting as well. Um, this declaration was used many times um, in the later years uh, in the kind of civil discussions and um pursuits of the, of the saints. Uh, as already mentioned, the Prophet Joseph Smith used it uh, when speaking to uh, government officials in Missouri and later in Nauvoo. Uh, and so this is become this becomes a very important uh, document for the church. And if you like, it was um, similar to an article of faith, really. And actually, when, you, when we go into the section now, you'll see that not only was it similar to an article of faith, it was structured in very much the same way as well. Uh, because the the verses in it talks about what they believe in and what they don't believe in in regards to this uh, important topic of um, civil uh, and well civil um, living in the, in and that's an awful way of putting it but basically this idea of living in a country in the world um, in in a government and so on. Um, so let's start having a look uh, at this section. Uh, in verse 1 it says, We believe that governments were instituted of God for the benefit of man, and that he holds men accountable for their acts in relation to them, both in making laws and administering them for the good of, and safety of society. So this um, verse it points out what was referred to in that section, that these uh, governments are... Uh, instituted by God for man, uh, and that he holds them accountable for their acts. So that doesn't say that God approves all actions of governments. What it says is that God 
allows governments and institutions and rulers to be in place in the world, um, but they have an important responsibility. Um, as as um, President Russell M. Nelson said, he says, quote, the commandments to love God and neighbour are interrelated. We cannot fully love God without loving, loving our neighbour. We cannot fully love our neighbour without loving God. Men really are brothers because God is really our father. Nevertheless, scriptures are studied with stories of contention and combat. They strongly condemn wars of aggression, but sustain obligations of citizens to defend their families and their freedoms. Because we believe in being subject to kings, presidents, rulers and magistrates, and in obeying and honouring and sustaining the law, members of this church will be called into military service of many nations. During the Second World War, when members of the church were forced to fight on opposing sides, the First Presidency affirmed that the state is responsible for the civil control of its citizens or subjects, for their political welfare and for carrying forward of political policies, domestic and foreign, but the church itself as such has no responsibility for these policies other than urging its members fully to render loyalty to their country, close quote. And that was interesting reading that and reading the church's stance during the Second World War because, of course, there will have been members of the church on opposing sides. For, and, you know, it's a very difficult uh, situation to be in that. But I think that this uh, verse perfectly encapsulates what the belief of the church is, is that we should honour and uphold the law in our country. Uh, we should show loyalty to our country. But if there's anything that we do because of that, that is not the right choice or is, is not something that uh, others would agree with, because we're obeying the law of our country, that it is the law of the country's responsibility. It is those individuals that created that law. It's their responsibility uh, for what the consequences are. And I think that's a really important and good stance to take, particularly in a world where many um, countries and laws are, are difficult in some places. Uh, and so that is uh, an important start here. Thank you very much for listening to, the, uh, to this podcast. Please, please share it. Please follow the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. And until we meet again.